Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Um, so we, you all are very fortunate, blessed even, to be here in person uh, and online because we are kicking off a new sermon series. This sermon series is in response to, um, so we, uh, in last October, we did a spiritual growth survey and we identified areas that we would like to grow spiritually. And we really felt like, you know, we really, uh, it's summertime, let's have a series that helps people grow and evolve in their connection with nature, with striving for social change sustainably, and even embodying their own liberative theology. So those are the learning goals of this uh, sermon series. Can I get a drum roll? Can I get a queer drum roll? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> We're cycle back! Welcome! Uh, so we are going to um, be starting the series that is all about cycling back, which I'll explain later today. But I hope that over the next season, this summer, we'll be doing this series, that your relationship to land changes and it grows. I hope that, that your relationship to creation and the creator can evolve in such a way that your theology is different on the other side of it, as in like how you live out your faith is different. I hope that and pray that as you connect to land, that your ability to strive for social change might be a little bit stronger every day. That's our goal uh, and our prayer for you this summer, whatever that looks like for you. And so um, uh, we're going to be reading through the Bible. It's a great book if you haven't checked it out yet. And something I I, I really feel like um, uh, a scholar at Luther Seminary really helped Uh, articulate this. A lot of the Old Testament is geared around two events, the exodus and the exile, the exodus and the exile. So we just finished a 10-week sermon series on the book of Exodus. Check it out on our archive, on our our worship website. That series was amazing. Um, And then Moving forward, like, you know, Moses escapes from the pharaohs and they set up a, a place and then like many centuries pass where they develop a society, develop dynasties, split into different geopolitical factions and that um, morphs and flexes. But then um, um, uh, the Babylonian Empire displace, like, comes in, sacks Jerusalem, displaces the folks, and that's what we call the exile. So the people who were living in a place now like are all over the place and that's called exile and that was like a really like traumatic thing in the memory of the old testament and so a lot of scripture is dedicated to processing the exodus and the exile and so uh our scripture today uh is ezra 1 1 through 7. if you have your worship companion with you by the way you can write down our scripture for today ezra 1 1 through 7 we read from the common english bible now, this is a little bit trickier than uh, just our normal thing. Does, this is the table of contents of the Bible. Does anyone know which section Ezra is in? I'm going to call it as history. I'm going to call it as history. Yes, 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 yes yeah. So um, the, um, this is, Ezra is, is telling the history of what happens 
on the pivot point from exile to returning to their homeland. So this is like a really important moment in the kind of the imagination, the telling of these stories. This is a moment that uh, people, families would tell around their table a lot. Um, so uh, here's our reading from Ezra 1, 1 through 7. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, so not Israel, right, like Persia, um, to fulfill the Lord's words spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Persia's King Cyrus, the king issued a proclamation throughout his kingdom. It was also in writing that stated, Persia's King Cyrus says, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. If there are any of you who are from his people, may their God be with them. They may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And as for all those who remain in the various places where they are living, let the people of those places supply them with silver and gold and with goods and livestock together with spontaneous gifts for God's house in Jerusalem." Then the heads of the families of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred up, got ready to go up and build God's house in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with silver equipment, with gold, with goods, livestock, and valuable gifts, in addition to all that was freely offered. King Cyrus brought out the equipment of the Lord's house, those items that Nebuchadnezzar brought from Jerusalem, and placed in the house of his gods." Okay, okay. So if you um, are joining us, then I would love to hear shouted out what is a word or phrase that sticks out to you. And online community, I'm pulling up our live stream. So go ahead and put in the chat what is a word or phrase from that reading that stuck out to you. I say again? All their neighbors. This is kind of an important observation, actually. So not just the Israelites funding themselves, but their neighbors were like, Yes, please, go return to this. That's actually a really big deal. Spontaneous gift. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's really good. Freely offered. Hmm. Everyone whose spirit God stirred up. Hmm, hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Um, see again? Got early. Got ready. ready. Got ready. Get ready. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Listen, if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. So um, uh, we see in our online uh, community, freely offered, placed in the house of his gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stirred up, written, returned in the vessel, placed. So, um, yeah, this is just such, a, such an important text, and it's really hard to describe how radical of an event that we are describing here in this event. Like, the Israelites were like in another land and the rulers of that land were like, hey, uh, we're over here in Babylon, but we want you to return back to Jerusalem, which is like a four-month journey. And not only do we want you to go back home, we want you to, uh, uh, we will fund your trip back home. Like we will give you gold and silver and all, the, and all that good stuff. Um, 
And you can just kind of imagine what it was like um, uh, traveling from Babylon to Jerusalem. You kind of, some scholars believe that they kind of snaked up and, and walked with the Euphrates River on their right and then hopped down and then walked down with the Jordan River on their left. So you can kind of imagine like all of these people walking along this land, traveling with this water, first upstream and then downstream, you can kind of imagine like what it would have been like. Some people say that it took four months for this journey to happen because there were so many people. So you can kind of think about like, what was that journey like? What, what did it, the air smell like? What was the texture of the soil? And like, what was going, what were the conversations like when people were making this giant move to their land back home? You know, uh, a couple years ago, we had a sermon series called In Everything. Snaps, if you remember, In Everything. Remember this? Okay. So the main learning objective for In Everything was just exploring the idea that God is present in all things, but also beyond all things. And that's called panentheism, if you want to be fancy. So not pantheism, but panentheism, meaning like God is present in all things and also beyond all things. So God is in the tree, but God isn't the tree. You know what I mean? Like, that's what panentheism means. And in our, that was our big goal. And our goal was, like, for us to be able to move through the world, being able to notice God in all things. And that's a really important spiritual discipline. Um, to be able to behold is a verb that I like a lot. Like, uh, I to be able to see something as sacred as God made it. That's, that's a really important discipline. Um, at one point, I described myself as a beholder, like a, someone who is like um, a, a person whose vocation is to behold. And then I got into Dungeons and Dragons, and the, a beholder is a is like a million-eyed monster that can like paralyze you and then eat you. So <laughs> I'm not that anymore. But I am someone who beholds. Um, however, like we all know that um, like the Earth doesn't only want us to behold, but also to like have a little bit more active of a role, right? Like to detox uh, the soil and to cultivate the land uh, in, a, in, a, in a generative and mutually beneficial way to all of creation. Um, the earth is asking us to be able to compost instead of just like creating waste that never goes anywhere and is there forever, like the gyres of plastic in the ocean. Um, the, and, and earth wants us to befriend and to defend land. And so there's like a... Um, a certain active posture that goes beyond just being like, wow, that's so nice, or wow, that's so pretty. You know, there's a certain, like, action invitation for us to put our hands into soil and to start to make choices towards the earth, not just to passively spectate the earth, but to be an active guardian of the planet. And in... I think that a lot of people at New City Church and at Northeast United Methodist, which is the other branch of New City, um, I think a lot of people here kind of at least theoretically get that. Like, I'm supposed to be in an active relationship. I'm, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to do things. But my challenge for you is, like, would it be possible for this to be more than just a to-do list? Is it possible for your relationship to the earth to not just be like, oh, my gosh, I need to... I need to send in my paperwork and then I have my rent due and then I have to like do something for the earth because pastor told me to and then now I have to, you know, like is it possible that your active relationship with the planet can be more than just like, oh, I guess this is something else I need to schedule. 
Is it possible that your relationship with the land, like your relationship with God, might have a little bit more breath in it, might have a little bit more connection and depth to it? That like any relationship, human relationship, it's not just about checking off the boxes of whether you did certain things, but being present and available to it. Like, is it possible that your relationship to the land, your active relationship to the land, might be something that could um, well up from a place of deep love? This is what we're going to be exploring, uh, exploring this summer. And I know that there's, uh, I've heard different folks uh, name kind of like different hesitations that they have around land. Like, for example, uh, sometimes I hear, what if nature is just green wallpaper to me? You know, like, as in, like, they don't actually say that, but uh, nature is nice, it's decorative. You know, I like plants in rooms, and I like being in nice places, but I just kind of, like, see that all as a wash, and, and then I get on my way, you know, like, this kind of dismissible thing that is nice, but, like, ultimately something we're not connected or responsible for, you know? Um, and so, like, some people... Uh, over the course of this summer are going to heal and transform their relationship to green wallpaper and find real and living things. Um, and, and I hear from some folks, um, yeah, but what if bugs are gross? And like, this is on a very practical level, like, what if being outside is gross and bad? Like, then what do I do? Because it's just unpleasant. And, and for a lot of folks, especially folks who, for whatever reason, had to spend a lot of time in, indoors during their childhood, it's like, okay, so there's like things biting me and it's uncomfortable and now I'm sweating and like, what is the, uh, what is the point of this? And, uh, and, and that's like a physical thing. And so they're like, Tyler, I'm trying to honor my body and say, I want to be in air conditioning right now. Like they're, <laughs> they're trying to, you know, and so like, so sometimes we have, to, we have to look at that. And this summer might be a time for like you to find a different relationship to that narrative and, uh, and to be able to enter in a little bit deeper connection with land. Sometimes I hear, what if I'm overwhelmed by just thinking about the earth? You know, like we're talking about caretaking in the earth and I know that there's a lot of folks uh, who are so freaked out about what's going on with climate change, so freaked out by like what's happening with the Colorado River and the wildfires and like the future of food security that they're like, I actually have kind of a container strategy where I'm just not thinking about that in order to be able to function on my day-to-day -day life. And, and some of us like, are, are in that place where it's like the best I can do is to not think about it because otherwise I'm paralyzed by dread. And so like this summer might be a time for us to heal our relationship with that narrative that uh, allow God in to be able to invite us to another way. Um, and, and then lastly, like, what if I'm just too busy? You know, like, folks are like, Tyler, the fact that I'm here at church is a miracle, and you should be, like, thanking me for, like, being able to even, like, be awake and in this room at a time. Uh, and so now you're, like, asking me to do even more things, and, like, there's only so much time in the day, and I'm feeling kind of busy, and my life is kind of a dumpster fire, so, like, how am I going to be able to fit in, like, another thing on top of all the other things that are going on. Like I already feel like I'm juggling and there's just like a lot of balls dropping out of my life. So how am I supposed to add in space for a relationship? And I hear that. Yeah, that's so real. I, I, I think that that's something that 
is worth holding, I also believe that this summer will be a time when God speaks to that narrative. And this summer will be a time when um, you might discover that, that it's not a zero-sum game, that the more you pour into a relationship with the land, the more the land pours back to you and, and finds like kind of a, a greater sum of their parts. Like there, there is a way that the healing of the land is ready to like invigorate you and give you energy that you didn't know you had. So, uh, so this summer might be a good time to explore that. And then significantly, I want to name, like, you know, there's a lot of ways to say this question, but what if my eco-memory has been wounded? And specifically, I want to speak to, uh, there's a lot of members of the black community that I've had conversations with who are like, my whole narrative of how my family talks about the earth is like, we were subjugated and enslaved to like take care of the earth and upward mobility meant I get to work with my head instead of my hands. And so like there's kind of this like romanticism about the earth that isn't resonant with uh, some, mem some members of the black community because they're like my whole thing is like I want to not be working in the field like that's the whole goal and and I think that that is also worth honoring and, and naming because like if we can't heal the eco wounds of previous generations how are we going to be able to heal the eco wounds of our future generations and so I think that it's it's really worth naming like if you have a certain resistance to this or if this doesn't feel as interesting or relevant to you then there might be like something to interrogate there like there might be some Something that God is inviting and speaking into in that story. Because I believe that all of us are being called uh, to return back to a place. Like the, like the folks who are exiting exile, we're being asked to come back home, to be able to not just see any place, but the place that God has planted you. Not just see any tree, but the tree that God has called you to be in relationship with not just ignoring the sky, but seeing that the sky is there for you, and you are there for the sky. So uh, uh, I, I, think, like, I think back to those folks who made this four-month journey, and when they first landed in Jerusalem, I bet it was like, wow, just look at this. Wow, we made it. Let's just behold and appreciate and, and look at how nice this is. And then after, I don't know, like a day, a week, a month, they were like, okay, we need to do something, <laughs> you know, like, well, uh, who's going to eat today, you know, like, uh, and, and I think that, like, similarly, that's, that's the posture for us to not just see and appreciate where we're living, not just see and appreciate the gift, the amazing, incredible, bountiful gift of our creator, but also to step into an active posture and for us to see as kind of like, I use the word vocation, like kind of as our job to be a guardian of the planet, to be in relationship with the planet, to see that as part of our identity. And sometimes I, I look at just the state of things and how people talk and the world and all this, and I'm like, how are we ever going to get there? You know, like, do you, like, how are we ever going to be able to, like, reclaim such uh, a relationship with the planet, especially in a country that is based off of the exploitation and destruction of land and the exploitation and destruction of people? And, like, uh, and so, like, if that's the foundation of our cultural memory, like, how in the world are we going to get there? 
And I was really blessed uh, this past week to see one possible answer. Um, so this past week, I was at annual conference. Do any of you know what, this is, this is a, just purely out of curiosity, do any of you know what annual conference is in the United Methodist context? Okay, okay, more than I thought, honestly. So annual conference is uh, every year, all the United Methodist uh, churches get together, like uh, to talk about legislation that we're that we're passing. Like we we passed legislation as a body that said that we're going to send letters to our elected officials to oppose um, assault rifles uh, or assault weapons and and to make that legal, like that that kind of like statement making kind of thing legislation. But it's also a time of worship and celebration and reconnecting. And I have a colleague um, named Reverend Don Hauser who's a member of the Ojibwe, um, who's a member of the Ojibwe tribe and also a descendant of the uh, Salt St. Mary Tr Marie tribe of Chippewa Indians. And she led us in a water blessing in the beginning of the annual conference. And y'all, it was so good. It was so good. And so here we are, uh, just all like around this little conference cent center balcony. There's a river over there to our right, a river to our right and our left. And Dawn um, led us in singing to the four directions. And we said a blessing, uh, like in the name of Jesus, we ask that this water be blessed and healed. Um, and, uh, and then she gave each of us a little bit of tobacco as a way to bless the land. And she says, you know, like typically we would just have a pouch of tobacco and anytime we enter land or a move through a precipice, we would just offer some tobacco as kind of a recognition of like, we are asking permission to be on this land and we're asking that this land be blessed by this tobacco as it is blessing us. And I was like, dang, there's something there, y'all. Like it is, it is more than just like a nice ritual. Like something changed spiritually and ecologically as these United Methodists started paying more attention to land. And I just started feeling like there's some uh, theme of reciprocity within so much indigenous thought and an indigenous Christian theology this theme of reciprocity that I really want us to tap into. The idea that it's not just like, um, I'm paying back as if I'm paying back a debt, but more like I'm paying back in a way that we're, we're part of a cycle together. And if I don't complete that cycle, then, then something is misaligned with our creation. Like there's a way that we can all be carrying whatever the blessing is that we're offering to the land to, to be able to reciprocate. And that's what I want us to really pray about this summer. Um, and fortunately, we have some fabulous guides all along the way. Um, we kicked off a new concept of a sermon research team. So uh, we had some people do a little bit more background research and a little, uh, do a little bit of prep. Thank you to the sermon research team. Um, and so we have some guides uh, who, can, who can walk with us, who can move with us. So Dr. Tink Tinker is like one of the original uh, Native American liberation theologians. Uh, Randy Woodley does uh, like a lot of really interesting work around church practice and theology. Um, Dr. Melanie Harris is the founder of the school of thought called Eco-Womanism. <laughs> 
Okay, so let's just talk about this. Womanism is like, um, like black women theology, so looking at the intersection of race, gender, and class. And so eco-womanism <laughs> is like looking at the experience of black women and black femmes from an ecological perspective. And so that eco-memory phrase is from her. And she's like, here are actual steps that black folks can do to heal the eco-memory that they have of land and then like how to enter relationship. <laughs> Take all my money. I was just throwing my credit card at the screen. Like, please, you're amazing. Also, not just transaction, but relationship. How can I support you? Yep, caught myself. So, okay. Uh, uh, and then uh, Reverend Don Hauser, the very same one who led the water blessing, will be guest preaching at New City Church uh, later on in the summer. So we are going to be able to hear and enjoy that. Um, we will be informed by so many activists, so many stories of activists, including Christian activists, who like are doing this not despite the fact that they believe in Jesus or as if believing in Jesus is a separate activity, but realizing that the land is the body of Christ, that the creation is the body of Christ. And when we take care of the body of Christ, we ourselves are transformed, and that's what it means to build a faith. Um, so, uh, so we'll be looking at activists. And then for our scriptural accompanists, uh, we'll be looking at stories of mostly Ezra and Nehemiah. We're also going to take some like fun dips into some other key texts. But I just feel like, um, I don't know, like raise your hand if you've read Ezra and Nehemiah in the past year. In the past year. Okay, we got, yes! Okay, so actually more than zero, and, uh, which is great. So, like, I just feel like Ezra and Nehemiah often get overlooked in kind of the, the preaching. I just haven't heard a lot of preaching on Ezra and Nehemiah myself, and so I thought that would be worth bringing attention. And part of the reason why that is is because there is something devastatingly problematic in the book of Ezra that we'll address later. So... <laughs> so <laughs> Um, so we're going to be uh, looking at this, not just because it's a, a text that a lot of us aren't as familiar with, but because Ezra and Nehemiah are as close as we have as a biblical case study for the concept of land back. So like the idea, for those of you who aren't familiar, the idea of land back is this movement within the United States that's saying like, we should just be giving land back to Native American leaders and Native American communities because that land was stolen from them. And so like the, there's kind of that um, movement here, and in, you know, as I was learning about that, I was looking at the Bible trying to think, like, what, what biblical wisdom could speak to the intention of land back? And I think Ezra and Nehemiah is as close as I found, because it's people who were part of a land, ancestrally connected to a land, who got separated from that land, and then they were, like, not only allowed to return back, but, like, funded to return back. So I don't know, I think that's kind of interesting. And I just think that King Cyrus, you know, like really made the right moves that probably American leaders should be making of saying like, not only are we gonna like let you do this out of pity, but like we're gonna encourage all of your neighbors to give you their best stuff as you're on your way because like that's what, it, that's what God requires of us. Like, ooh, ooh, that's radical. I love it, that's juicy, that's great. So um, really trying to, to think through the biblical dynamics of this and, and seeing how the biblical wisdom present in Ezra and Nehemiah might speak to our current situation. So this summer, our sermon series challenge, can I get another drum roll? Da -da -da -da! 
can I get a queer drum roll? Yeah! Okay, thank you. Please. Uh, is to, uh, every Wednesday, check in on how you have learned or are learning to create a reciprocal relationship with creation, a reciprocal relationship. And so you can be posting photos, poems, emojis. If you're like, I don't got time, like here's a tree emoji, great, that's great. Um, book references, recipes that are important to you. Any ways that you're kind of like trying to reclaim this reciprocal relationship, let us know. For those of you who are new to the community, um, we do these check-ins on Circle, which is our social platform that runs through our website. So if you go to, uh, on, if you're on the website right now, you can scan through the menus and click Circle to get your free account. If you're joining us on site, your worship companion, which is available on the back table, has a QR code where you can join Circle for free. And so we, uh, every sermon series, have a little special sermon series challenge space. And every Wednesday, we'll make a post about uh, this very question. And we just want you to check in. And this is kind of a time for us to be a community about this. You know, um, unlike, say, the Marie Kondo sermon series that I did earlier, like, this doesn't have distinct exact steps that you must follow in order to be able to create a reciprocal relationship. It's more like we're creating space as a community for the wisdom of the room to be able to rise up in this. So if you have insight that would be helpful for, that you think might be helpful for other people, definitely post it to Circle. If you have poems or photos, places or recipes that have blessed you in this journey, definitely post it to Circle because we are like transforming together and, uh, and we can only do that if every person shows up to community. So do bless, uh, bless your community by posting to circle. So that is our goal for this summer, y'all. Uh, we're gonna have such a good time. Listen, uh, uh, th like this summer, I, I believe minds will be open. This summer, I believe hearts will be transformed. This summer, I believe that your faith and your spiritual life can deepen in ways that you will need to tap into later on in the year, perhaps in the winter. So I'm just saying, like, this is a fabulous season to lean into this practice of creating a reciprocal relationship with the creation for the sake of honoring the creator. Um, if you all are excited and jazzed up about this, can I hear a loud amen? 